0: Hey, everybody, Eric Bischoff here. And have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co host, John Elva, every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com
1: Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at 9 bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to DDP snake pit. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, the man of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, Jake, the snake Roberts, Jake, how are you, man? A little tired, but I'm going to be all right. You've been a road warrior, man, right? You've been uh, traveling yeah, I mean, I every day for a week hard, out there for AEW. This
2: last week, really enjoyed myself. It's it's such a pleasure for me to go to that show and just watch it and be a part of it. and See some of the guys and every now and then I get a chance to school somebody on a little something, something, or, you know, we're just keep my mouth shut and enjoy it. There you go. But, uh, yeah. I had a great time in Pittsburgh. Uh, Lance went out there and murdered a guy in about a minute and a half. He's got to quit stretching these matches out. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, You know, can't wait till this next week in Philadelphia, you know? But, uh, yeah. Got things to happen out there, man. Between the pod- podcast and doing um, AEW and uh, a few signings here and there, gonna be working on some mid-south stuff. I know that's near and dear to everybody's heart that ever went through there or ever watched it. That was one of the best, but uh, gonna be working on that this week and uh. I'm going to take a psyche ball test too. I'm really excited about that.
1: Oh wow! Okay. Well, I'm interested to hear how that turns out. Uh, is that? I'm some... just worried about the person giving it to me. <laughs> Fall
2: out there, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, it's one of those deals where when you come out, you want to say, "Did I pass?" Oh, it's a totally yeah, different. Yeah. Did
2: point. I pass? And how are you? <laughs>
1: Of course, we should address the elephant in the room. Normally we have uh, another hall of famer with us, Mr. Diamond Dallas page, but he's uh, that's old.
2: right. We do. Yeah. I do remember that
1: just you and I today, man, something a little special man, this today. This is
2: going to be so nice. No, it's not. Uh, we got to stretch it out a little bit for DDP, man. He's, uh, off frolicking in the woods or something. I don't know what he's doing, but. You can bet whatever he's doing, he's doing it to the best of his ability.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, or tackling a pretty serious subject today. And and we're going to try to do this. I don't know, every month or so here, where we talk about someone overcoming an obstacle in their life, specifically, a lot of times we're going to wind up talking about addiction and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Jake, you've talked about this subject a lot over the last 20 years or so, but when do you first remember hearing the word addict?
2: You know, I can't remember. I really can't. Uh, it's a word I wished I'd never heard. I can tell you that. I wish it was a word there wasn't something for that. Right. Because um, I certainly lived it for a long time, and uh, it left its scars on me and uh, marks on me, and uh, not only on me but on my family. See, that's that's the real bad thing about addiction. It doesn't affect one person it affects their whole family. And, uh, it's, it's horrible because, uh, the children suffer, uh, the wives, the husbands, they suffer. Everybody suffers. Uh, if one person goes down, the whole family goes with it. Usually.
1: So talk to me a little bit about, you know, your, your definition of addiction. Like, what does it mean to you? Have you wrapped your head around that?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Addiction to me is, uh, Anytime there's a substance, whether it be cocaine or pills or alcohol or food or sex that takes your life over to the point that you you feel like you can no longer live without it. Um, You know, when I first started doing cocaine, people said, well, why did you start doing cocaine? Because I liked it. I mean it was fun uh went out and had a great time the next day everything was it was cool but then one day it turned on me when I say turned on me it no longer became a choice to do it that's what addiction is when it's no longer a choice it's a necessity for you to survive through a day then you're an addict and uh it's a horrible place to be. If you want to buy a ticket to death row, addiction's your way. Cause I guarantee you, you're going to wind up there. Uh, either you're going to be uh, locked up in a jail somewhere. That doesn't mean you have to be behind bars either. You can be locked up in a jail in a, in a, in a house. Cause you'll be in one room and you'll, you'll protect that room and everything in it. And you'll be like a rat. I mean, it's, it's so sickening when you watch somebody that's tweaking and or in the need of it. They're going crazy, they're picking at their skin, they're doing all these horrible things, and you think, gee, that's what I want to do. No, it's not. No, it's not, no, it's not. You know, what I mean, I've been to a few jails and uh, I never met anybody that said, you know, Jake, when I was a little kid, my dream was to to grow up and become an alcoholic and an addict. <laughs> Nobody dreams of that. But it happens and it's a fine line between being an addict and a user. And, um, man, once you cross that line, life is over. It really is.
1: A lot of guys who are in the wrestling business ultimately come out one day and and sort of in one way, shape, or form, or another, they they blame the wrestling business uh, for their addiction issues, and and other folks say, no, it's probably more of a genetic issue, and it was just in my in my gene pool, and I had the addict gene or whatever that is. Yeah. D- do you think if you wouldn't have gotten into professional wrestling, you still would have had issues in that regard?
2: I, I do, I do, I do think I would have because um, I'm one of those people that. for whatever reason, if I like something, I want a lot of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if it feels good, I want to do it a whole bunch of times, you know, so yeah, I think I would have wound up the same way. I, I think before I ever got into wrestling, I was headed that way. You know, I, I was, I was working on a freight dock, man, and, uh, couldn't wait to get off so I could drink. So, uh, you know, and. and I do have the genes for drinking. Uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic and, uh, I've seen that over the years, That it's so crazy that the next family, his children weren't addicts or alcoholics because I think they watched him, you know, but the grandchildren are myself, Sam Houston. He's an alcoholic, Rock and Robin. She got close, real close to, uh, getting stuck in that. And, uh, you know, we see it every day, man. We see people going down and, and making mistakes and you just wish them the best. I'm Tammy Fitch right now. She's, uh, she won't be driving no more. I don't think, uh, It's sad that it happens, man, but uh, it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. Uh, What gets me today is that the availability of the drugs that you can get now on the streets is totally out of control, man. And uh, not only the pharmaceuticals that you can get, but now people are smart enough to mix up stuff and hand it out. And it's killing people, whether it be, um,
1: fentanyl, you're saying,
2: fentanyl crank. Uh, yeah. Fentanyl is real big right now. I know I was up in the Northwest here a while back and I'm like, what the hell are those tents for in the middle of the street? Oh, that's fentanyl stops. What do you mean? There's so many addicts in that area that they literally set up tents so they can go in there and get the, uh, the adrenaline shot to save their life. Oh, wow. And that's like every two blocks. This is in Vancouver, British Columbia. And the the number of deaths up there over bad, bad drugs, not pharmaceuticals, but stuff that's been mixed up and put out there. And the people grab a hold of it. thinking they're getting one thing and they get something else and they're dead. It's just amazing. And, the bad thing about an addict is you can tell him all day long. That might be the bad stuff. He's going to try it. He's going to try it because the need gets to be overwhelming. and It takes over. And once it takes over, man, I've been there, you know, I've, I've sweated. I've cried. I have fought, I've stolen. I I sold a car in Puerto Rico. (laughs) I traded a Lincoln Continental for about $500 worth of rock. You know, a car worth $10,000. I just traded it because I had to have some dope right then. And it's insanity. And when it gets to that point, it scares the hell out of me. You know, I've been to New York City and some of those places that There were literally children on the streets trading oral sex for crack. I'm talking 12, 10, maybe younger, I don't know, maybe sick, coming up and knocking on your car and begging for it. I'll do this for you for $10. $10. You know, it doesn't make you want to cry. It just makes you wish the hell. you were on a different planet when it gets like that,
1: well, you, um, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, oh, marijuana is a gateway drug. But I think in wrestling and and amongst a lot of men, uh, a lot of it probably starts with alcohol and you indicated that maybe there was yeah. some alcohol. I, and- I
2: don't, I don't think marijuana is a gateway drug. I think alcohol is, Yeah, you know, uh, I will tell all the folks out there I'm, I'm pro pot. You know, I I never got in a fight when I was smoking pot. I never got in trouble when I was smoking pot. I never wanted to do cocaine when I was smoking pot, but uh, you give me a few Jack Daniels brother. I want to fight and I want some, I want some shit to go down and I want some goddamn cocaine right now.
1: When did the alcohol start to get out of hand for you? Do you think?
2: Oh, well, you know, as long as it was beer, I was okay. So I guess I'm about 32.
1: So you were working for Vince um, at the time? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it just happened one night, man. I was never pro liquor. Uh, My grandfather used to drive us crazy drinking the liquor. And he's the one that was a big alky in my family and uh I watched him do some horrible things, man, and uh you know, they they told him he's gonna die from drinking. And uh so they didn't trust him to take abuse, which is a powerful drug that will keep you from drinking.
1: It'll make you, you physically drink. sick, right? If you, you if you do think
2: it. it would keep you from drinking. But I watched my grandfather take a taxi to the doctor's office where they would give him a shot of the stuff, and he would take the same taxi to the liquor store.
1: Oh, gosh.
2: Get it? Bring it home, drink it, and then throw up on himself, uh, shit himself, and pass out. About five days a week. That's what I grew up with. And I lived with my grandpa and, uh, he was a wonderful man when he was sober, man. But when he got that liquor in, he look out. And, uh, he did that for 35 years, you know, and, uh, it was sickening. He, he was a great man until he, he got, got into an oil field accident and had his legs crushed. And he was in the hospital for about a year and a half and they had him hooked up to morphine. Well, at the end of that, they pulled that needle out of his arm, and they said, "Okay, you're you're good to go." Well, he had a little addiction problem. Of course, back then you couldn't find the drugs on the street, so he went to the next best thing, which was liquor. He had to sedate himself every day because that monster was in him and growing. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you if you stop for six months, because when you go back and you do it again, you're gonna to have to do twice as much. And it just redoubles each time you stop and you go back, stop and go back, until the point that you get enough in you that it takes control. And uh, like I said, if you want a, a ticket to death row or a sure way to die, get into addiction, man. man that's your ticket, but it's gonna be a process. You know, and uh, some people go faster than others. Uh, I wished I would have went fast. It would have saved my family a lot of suffering. Um, I tried to commit suicide a couple of times and failed. And, uh, you know, you're messed up when you wake up from an attempted suicide and you're angry at yourself because you failed at dying. (laughs) That makes no sense at all. And uh, I'm just so grateful that by me going through all this, uh, there's none of my children <laughs> that even get close to shit. You know, um, they they stay miles from it, and uh, that's the only blessing out of being an addict that I
1: have. So, when you first realized, "Hey, man, I'm probably drinking a little more than I should be," uh, and, and you attribute that to liquor, that would have been the WWF era for you. But that right. that travel schedule was brutal. I mean, you yeah. were on the road all the yeah. time and I don't think people really understand it. I, I want everybody to go to the history of com, and you can just take a look at that schedule that Jake was keeping. We'll call it 87, yeah. 88 and that sort of thing, but you're crisscrossing the country, probably nearly 300 days a year. And some yeah. of the routing at times over was crazy, you know, where, where yeah. you would be, you know, New York, Florida, LA, Chicago, back to, I mean, just all over the place, like, how could this happen in consecutive days? But also too, in the middle of that, you're, you're, you're in hotels and and traveling by car, and you've got this big adrenaline rush because you're in front of all these people. So it's been said over the years that guys had their own sort of routine of here's how I cope with travel on the road. What was your routine back then?
2: Oh, my routine in the beginning was beer, a little pot and a sleeping pill
1: after the match you're saying.
2: Yeah. And then Vince came along and cut the pot out. Man, when he cut that pot out, that was tough. Because we didn't have a go-to thing to relax us now. You know, we had to double up on the beer. And then a lot of us started taking different pills. And uh, that leads to problems. When you start mixing your drugs, you're going to kill yourself. You know, uh, that's how that's gotten a lot of guys, you know, they start mixing them, they, they take a pill, they have a few beers, they pass out and they wake up and they think, wait a minute. I didn't take my pills and they take more, you know, and, uh, that's your danger zone, man. That's when you're flying into the fire, you know, and, uh, you can't get away from that skillet, man. Once you get burnt, you're in trouble, you know, and, uh, I've seen a lot of good people go down hard. Terry Gordy was probably one of the hardest that went down. He died on an airplane and they brought him back. But when they brought him back, they didn't bring him back quite soon enough. And about half his mind was gone. And, uh, here is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And there was a time that he had to learn how to wrestle again because he'd forgotten everything because of that incident. Most people would have stayed dead, but he was a rugged son of a bitch, man.
1: So I've read over the years that, uh, maybe it was Bret Hart who said that wrestling really changed when the WWF banned marijuana. And I guess we should remind everybody this was the eighties and, and marijuana was a hot button issue and it was a politically charged issue. And I'm sure Vince was not personally advocating, boy, you guys need to do pills instead of marijuana, but marijuana was illegal at the time. And he didn't want it being in the paper that so-and-so was arrested for this narcotic. And they're supposed to be this child children's hero, but now they're a drug user or drug abuser or what have you. Now, of course we, as a society have come to realize, boy, marijuana is not all that bad, uh, especially compared (sighs) to the alternative. Um, Absolutely. But it's, it's interesting to think about whenever you talk about wrestling and addiction, it does feel like we wind up talking more about prescription pills and that abuse more than anything else. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is just because of the way society at the time had villainized marijuana. I'm sure you agree.
2: Absolutely. I I do agree with that. Totally. I mean, the amount of pills that were being handed out in the WWF at the time was mind boggling there was a doctor that would meet us in a Hershey park and he literally walked in with six or seven suitcases full of pills and steroids. That was a big foul up, man. Cause you could go in there and you could ask him for Valium, halcyon, steroids, pain pills, whatever your heart desired. And then what you would do is you would try to find out, what would get you from day to day? Because it was hard from day to day. When you're only getting five or six hours sleep a night, you can't go from the ring to a hotel room and lay down and go to sleep. I don't give a damn who you are. Nobody in the world can do that. Because you've got such an adrenaline high going. So if you get to your hotel at say midnight, need to eat something. Okay, there's another hour, it's 1 a.m. Okay, I need to lay down. You still can't lay down. So what do you do? You take a pill. You take a pill, you got to get up at 7. That's six hours. You were lucky. You got six hours. Most of us had this down to where we would break halcyons up and just take bits and pieces because we knew that if we took a half of one, we would sleep for three hours. And the good thing about halcyons was there was no after effect. There was no, uh, uh, like, a if you took a Valium, man, you're like, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was horrible. But you could take a halcyon and three hours later, wake up, and you're ready to go. But what happened was <coughs> people started taking too many of them, and then you had some clowns. That thought it was really funny if they snuck a couple of house gowns on you and you'd be knocked out on a plane and they can't wake you up. Well, something's wrong with this guy. Next thing you know, they're putting you on a gurney, <laughs> taking you to the hospital find out what the hell's wrong with you. Or they do it to him in a bar. And God knows what will happen. There were so many incidents in bars where guys were throwing in somebody's beer and people would drop. Uh, There were guys taking advantage of girls by throwing them in their beers and they would pass out. Of course, when they woke up, if they were lucky, the only thing that happened to them was sex. (laughs) But usually somebody wanted to get funny and they'd cut off all their hair or they'd paint their face with a magic marker or They'd do some horrible shit to them, pass them around to guy, to guy, to guy. I was never a part of that. Never. I'd never doped anybody, I guess, because I was just too damn selfish. I wanted to save it all for myself. That's what I think. But, you know, I just couldn't see that. But there were some guys that were so bad, and they are so lucky they didn't kill anybody because one guy would throw one in then somebody else would walk by and throw one in. My God, the next thing you know, that person's got four halcyons in there. It costs people their jobs. Joe LaDuke got fired over that because they, some couple of guys doped his drug, doped his beer, and he went goofy in a bar. They wonder, well, why'd he do that? Well, let's think about this. And it's not funny when it costs your damn job or your life. I don't think there's anything funny about putting chemicals in somebody's drinks.
1: Yeah, I'm not to cut you off, but what you're saying there is these guys, and I think some of us probably know some of these fellows. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a rib to them. It was a joke. It was a That's ha-ha. what they called Yes, but it's no, not They funny.
2: called it a rib instead of attempted murder. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? And that's what it really was. You know, I mean, uh, Outback Jack, it cost him his job. You know, and um, Jesus Christ, man, (laughs) it got so out of control. I I don't know how WWE got through it without people. Well, people did die on the road. (laughs) Sorry. There were a few that died in hotel rooms. And you wonder, did anybody help them die or did they do it themselves? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that it was out of control. Usually if I see there's a couple of guys, especially bad. If I see them in a bar, I just went to a different bar. I didn't want to take a chance. Cause I knew I was a marked man. You know, the further up the ladder you were, the more marks you were, they're thinking was, well, if I can take that guy out, then maybe there's a spot for me really. Oh.
1: So, so you think sometimes it wasn't just, uh,
2: Oh, it was intentional. Sure. It was okay. They were trying to cost you your job. Wow. I know personally I was set up with cocaine. Really? Yeah. How did that guy, a guy set me up with cocaine and, uh, told me that there was a way to beat the test and here's what you had to do. I said, man, I don't know about that. He said, dude, I'm telling you. Watch. I'm going to do something. So he did some, oh man, I don't know. Did some more. God damn! Now he's got this shit out in front of me and I'm, I'm, oh my God, you know, I want to do it. And he says, I've got the thing that beats the test. So he did some more and I finally said to hell with it. And I did it. The next day there was a drug test. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And I'll be damned if. He kept putting off, taking his drug test, putting it off. And then he went out and wrestled, and he had an eye injury that he had to be rushed to the hospital with. And he didn't take the test. I lost my job. I got, I got, I got pumped. <laughs> and so did Chavo Guerrero at the time. But that guy, the one that got us to do it. Skating free.
1: Yeah. Psst. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com.
0: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything wherever you listen.
1: You know, that's something I've never heard before. It feels like a lot of times when we hear these these sort of stories – you know, the guys always sort of frame it as, well, we were just trying to find ways to pass time on the road. And, you know, you don't understand how hard that was. And and now it comes out, well, maybe there was more to it. Guys were trying to be political animals with this too. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: there was, a, there was a lot of that going on, man. A lot of backstabbing going on. And, um, but I agree, man, for Vince, the worst thing he could have done was take marijuana away from us. Because that was everybody's go-to thing, man, to relax, Yeah, you know? And, um, but at the same time, of course, it was one of the worst things to try to get out of your system. Right. Whereas cocaine would be out of your system in three days. Marijuana would stay in your system for 30 days. So you're screwed.
1: And as we said earlier, it was illegal. Whereas unbelievably, these prescription pills were not illegal um, because they were, they
2: were, they were illegal to get that many, the way they, that doctor
1: was doing them. There was no prescriptions. Well, in th- wait, okay. Well, that's something we had never talked about. They were about. in unmarked boxes, unmarked boxes.
2: Now here's one for you. Uh, there was a time that, um, the, uh, the drug people were coming after Vince and, and a lot of the talent, because guys that had drugs shipped to them Mm -hmm. from this doctor, Mm -hmm. which now you've opened up a whole other can of worms. And they came to me and said, oh, you had some packages. I said, no, sir, I never did. Oh, yeah, we got you down for this town in this date. I looked through my book. No, sir, I wasn't there. What? Then they show me the where somebody signed off on it. That's not my signature. Wow. And it wasn't my signature and it was my name, but it was not my signature. So somebody it had drugs sent to them and used my name. What kind of horse shit is that? Yeah. And here I am fixed to be charged. And these guys, they, re, they, they, and investigated it and seen that I wasn't there, that I was completely across the country. So then they were trying to find out he was using fake names.
1: I mean, it was, it was insane, man. It's amazing how we can sort of convince ourselves of something. And you know, the easiest person to lie to is ourselves. And so yeah. I, I'm sure when you're surrounded by a group of peers, and everyone's doing it, then it becomes right. normalized to you. Well, absolutely. this is, yeah,
2: absolutely. You jump on board. Cause you want to be one of the guys you want to be on the end crowd. You want to be, I want to do what the star is doing, you know, of course. That's, that's just, that's human nature, you know? And, uh, and this is the era board. where
1: people said business is done in the bar too, right?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We'll see back, back in the day before. WWF, you did your business in the car. Yeah. You talked in the car and you talked about making yourself better or learning or finding a different idea to do something at this time. And it will get more out of it or that will get better heat. That's where it was all done. But when it came to WWE, WWF, It was done in a hotel room, snorting cocaine and taking pills and sitting in a bar, trying to hold yourself up.
1: And that's more of a circumstance of, you know, we were doing car travel versus air travel. Yeah. 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 So does the road almost become a part of your addiction? Cause you know, there's certain wrestlers who they became road warriors. And even now later in their life, they still prefer to be on the road as they don't know how to just go home and be home. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does, man. And, uh,
1: um,
2: I enjoy traveling, but I don't enjoy traveling with four guys in a car, right? I enjoy traveling by myself or with one other person. My wife, uh, it gives us time to think. It gives us time to talk without so many distractions. Um, yeah, I, I still enjoy that, but I'll tell you this, I'm not going to drive 200 miles with her, <laughs> you know, six blocks. Does it for me now? You know. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I don't want to do 200 miles anymore, man. It hurts. It, it amazes me the miles that we drove back in the day. We were driving two and three thousand miles a week. Yeah, but but when you think about every, a flight every day, whew, wrestling every day, I wrestled steamboat eighty nine days straight, eighty nine, and it got so bad that I couldn't even talk. I couldn't communicate. I was just uh, 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 just brain dumb. I'd go to the ticket desk and pull out a stack of tickets because back in those days, they'd give you a stack of airline tickets that thick. Here, here's your tickets for the next four weeks. You need to sort them out. <laughs> I'd just throw them on the desk and say, y'all get one. I don't know, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't figure it out. But it, it was a time, man. and But it was also a time that we were in front of sellouts
1: every night. So you didn't want to miss it.
2: No, I remember when I was doing that 89 days, I told my wife, I said, baby, I don't know if I can do this. I'm dying. She goes, honey, you made 12 grand last week. Well, I, maybe I can do it one more week then, (laughs) you know, because i would never seen that kind of money before. Yeah, When you go from making 1500. To 5,000, 10,000 a week, that's a hell of a change, man. Yeah. You know, that's like going from eating peanut butter to eating prime rib. Yeah. It's a hell of a change, man. And it's a change you like. You know, the money was flying at us so fast and we were going so hard, we didn't have time to think about what we were doing to ourselves. That was the biggest thing.
1: Well, do you remember there being a time where it became a conversation in the business, man, so-and-so has a problem or I have a problem or was addiction even whispered about back no, then? No,
2: no, yeah. no. Wasn't whispered because there's a lot of guys who were waiting for him to go down. And, uh, if you had any salt about you at all, you'd tell them to mind their own fucking business. So shut your fucking mouth and keep out of my business because you didn't want any help because you didn't trust any help.
1: And it was probably looked at as admitting weakness, right? You didn't want to do that.
2: Admitting weakness. Absolutely. And you're fixed to go down and I don't want to be around you because guess what? If I'm around you, I must be guilty too. Right. So all of a sudden you got the plague. Yeah. I, I went to two rehabs for Vince and, uh, wished I'd taken advantage of it, but I didn't.
1: You weren't ready for it.
2: I, I, brother, I just wanted to get back to my dream. Yeah. You know, I was scared to death. I wasn't going to have a job. I didn't pay attention to any of that shit. I didn't think I had a problem. Are you serious? Yeah.
1: Do you think had you been, uh, you know, clean and sober and clear headed and all that, you would have left the company in 92 or would you have stuck around?
2: I'd have kept going. Yeah, definitely. Man, I I love this business, but once that snake bit me, uh, I was done. You know, you can't, I will say this about cocaine. You can't do cocaine and do a job. It's impossible. If you're doing cocaine the way I was doing cocaine, that's all you can do. Because it takes every minute of the day to get yourself ready for it and your time using and your time coming down, you can't wrestle when you've been up for six days All right? because <laughs> you don't look alive. You look dead and that's where I was at. You know, I went off in a big way. I think there were some, one of the reasons I went off some bad was because I lost my family. You know, my wife, uh, filed for divorce. She was trying to help me, you know, and, and she's seen it coming and she's seen it doing what it was doing. And she knew I had to be stopped or I was going to die. And she was scared to death. I was going to die at home in bed with her. And, uh, I can't imagine what I put her through and, uh, She did the right thing. She didn't want that around our children. My God, but it takes a hell of a woman to make that stand, you know, to say, baby, I love you, but get the fuck out because, uh, you're not going to be around these kids doing that shit. Right. And I don't want you dying in the house and I don't want the kids getting into some of your packages, man. What if that had happened? Right. One of one of my children had gotten one of those packages and died disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So when I fell off the edge of the earth, man, the only place I went was the dealer, (laughs) That's the only place I went and, um, that's what an addict does. Yeah. Cause there's no way in hell anybody can do cocaine the way I was doing cocaine. And do anything else, but cocaine,
1: get the house you want with the payment. You want at buy dot and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. with and a MLS number six, five, zero eight, four equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. When you left the WWF and went to WCW, did you think that that would be, you know, that it would be a different environment and that it might be better. Yes, you I with
2: did. That? But see, I hadn't divorced yet, and I was going to have time off the road.
1: Fewer days, yeah.
2: Yes. I was I was going to be working a third of what I was working. But the thing that happened to me in WCW was I'd made an agreement with Kip Fry as to what I was going to be paid and how I was going to be paid and the percentage I would get. If uh, the pay per view went up half a point or something, you know, like that. And then I was also I had a hell of a damn merchandising deal. That agreement was made with Kip Fry, but it was never signed because I couldn't sign it till the 90 days was up from Vince. Well, about the 70th, 70th day, Bill Watts takes over. Mm. Kip Fry's gone. I'll never forget the look on Bill Watts' face when he read my contract. He just shook his head and ripped it up and threw it in the air. He said, Are you fucking kidding me? You're not getting that money. Be damned if you're going to get it. And his job when he came to WCW was to chop those contracts. Right. The money he saved, WTBS, he got a percentage of. So he would make certain guys that had a healthy contract, either. You're going to start, you're going to drop your money. We're going to renegotiate your contract, even though it's not up and you're going to take less money or I'm going to put you out there on television and beat you like a dog every damn week.
1: Brian Pillman. Yeah. Yeah. There was more than Brian. So you eventually, uh, return to the WWF and boy, when you come back, it's a totally new persona for you. You know, we've got, yeah. uh, I guess we'll call it a redemption persona, if you will. Yeah. Well, uh, Ben's
2: had a lot of fun with that. Okay. He want he wanted to laugh at it, you know, um,
1: Were you still struggling at that point? Huh? Were you still struggling at that point?
2: No, I wasn't struggling in the beginning. But I didn't want to work. I just wanted to write. But like Vince does, he gets what he wants. And this guy would get hurt or this guy would miss a show and I would have to go replace him. That was okay. But then he said, we need you to go on this European trip. Or we need you back on the road. And there was some games being played at the office with the writers. There was a lot of jealousy involved. Some didn't want me there. Some did. And, uh, it wasn't long before I was out of that mix. Um, and that's a shame because I enjoyed writing, but when I went back on the road full time, I knew I was in trouble
1: because that's where you got in trouble before, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I can't go seven days a week yet you are throwing me out here. And there were a few guys in the locker rooms that played some games that were pretty nasty, you know, putting stuff in my bags, you know, the utensils you might use to do cocaine would be found in my bag. Well, I didn't put it in there, but it wasn't long before I started using again. And as soon as I did, my wife said, we can't do this again. And, uh, She divorced me, and once she filed on me, (laughs) that was it. I left the WWF, and I went straight to my cocaine because that was the only thing that took the pain away from me. That was the only thing that made it all right. When I did the coke, I could forget about my wife and my four kids. If I was high enough, I could forget about it. Only problem is when you wake up, you got the same fucking problems.
1: So after you leave the company, you know, I think this is probably when we saw what was going on in your life when they filmed the movie beyond the mat. Um,
2: yeah, I got, I got stuck pretty good with that one. I won't talk about that.
1: I know that, you know, they certainly portrayed your life on the independence and, this is probably the era where some of your Puerto Rico hijinks we've heard about and things like that. That took place mm-hmm. post that 96 run with W with the mm-hmm. WWF. Right.
2: Yeah. I don't want to go into that Conrad.
1: No, I'm with you. I'm just saying post I'm, WWF I'm life.
2: That shit. I did a lot of things wrong. I was high. I was totally out of control. Uh, I am ashamed of what I did. I was so full of hate at the time that I wanted everybody else to suffer. And uh, there were certainly a lot of shows that suffered through my hijinks and my bullshit and uh, the horrible things that I did. But I was a maniac. It was just fucking out of his mind. I was out of my mind because I'd lost my family. I was out of my mind because I'd lost my dream. I was out of my mind because I don't, a career out the window and I was out of my mind because I couldn't quit. It's a well-known fact, and I'll just say it again. I would not be sitting here today without diamond Dallas page.
1: That's what I wanted to ask is, you know, I think you wind up leaving the company in 97. When does the, the DDP change happen in your life?
2: 12, 2011,
1: 11. Okay. So 14 years later. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There was a lot of pain those years, man. And, uh, a lot of living hard, a lot of living without
1: those, well, those the worst years of your life. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I was broke. Um, Nobody was going to use me.
1: I mean, that's something we should at least talk about because we have talked about, you know, losing your family and losing your career, but there's also the financial impact here where you went from well into the six figures to now. Hey, what am I going to do this weekend type deal? Right.
2: Forget this weekend. What am I going to do today? Right. I live day to day for food and for drugs. Wow. And if I had a choice, I can eat today and buy groceries for the week, or I can get high. Which one am I going to do? Mm. I'm getting high. I'll worry about eating tomorrow.
1: Is that where, and you've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, that you used to almost suffer from some self-loathing and DDP would even say, you can't wear shirts like that and blah, blah, blah. That was sort of negative.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was marked in my mind because I wanted to laugh. You know, when things hurt so bad, you want to laugh at, (laughs) you know, when it's the frigging truth, you want to try to laugh at it. You try to make a joke out of it. Like you don't bother me. Yeah. It bothered me that all that shit happened. Yeah. I hated myself. I hated myself so bad. Conrad. You have no idea, man. You have no idea.
1: But that really kicked in 97 forward. Those 12 or 13, yeah. or 14 yeah. years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. From 2000 on, I was, I mean, it was so bad. I left the country for four years. Really? Yeah. I went to England and just hit out. Hit out. And I was able to hide out over there because of some wrestling fans Mm -hmm. took care of feeding me. And drugs were a lot harder to get there. But I still got them. But not near as much. That was, that was hell in a way.
1: Did you have any, you know, during that, that dark period, did you have any glimmers of hope where it felt like, Hey man, no. I'm on the right no. track.
2: Okay. No, not at all. I knew that it was over. I knew that I'd blown my family. I'd blown my career and I had blown my health. You know, up until then I wasn't suffering from the health consequences. Right but now my body was starting to break down um i had some several issues going on i needed hip replacement really bad couldn't afford it um was about to have it done in england before i left but i left anyway and uh yeah i need to stop conrad <laughs>
1: So we're back and we're back with the good news. We left off talking about diamond Dallas page and how he came into your life. And boy, this is a story of redemption and a story of overcoming and a story of turning your life around and making the impossible possible. And I don't know that anybody, maybe even you wouldn't have guessed, man, life could be as good as it is right now.
2: Not, not in a million years. Uh, Conrad, uh, when you get as deep as I was, I mean, I, I look back and it, it, it's horrifying. It, it truly is right now. My heart has just been ripped open and, and I'm, I'm reliving some of those bad years and I almost want to throw up because, uh, some of the things that I did to survive back then, I don't even talk about, Sure. but when Dallas came back into my life, um, uh, you know, it, it started with a phone call. Then uh, he came down to see how, what kind of shape I was in. And of course, being an addict, I lied my ass off. He said, yeah, it'd been 10 days since I'd used, <laughs> been about 30 minutes, you know, because I was desperate. And uh, I was so desperate because he said, uh, well, let's see if you can lose a few pounds and we'll come back in three weeks. Hell, in three weeks, I'd lost like 17 pounds.
1: Oh, wow. Good for
2: you. Oh, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? Don't lose all this shit now. Wait till we get to Atlanta. And uh, because I've seen a glimpse of hope. And I knew that if I could get around, get away from the hell I was in, that maybe there was a hope. And I think that's what happens to a lot of addicts is that we get so far down and there is no hope. Number one, not only because of your addiction, but because of your financial problems. Mm-hmm. Um, most addicts have ex-wives chasing them, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not making their payments the way they should. I was one. Um, and Dallas put an offer on the table. that was just my God, it was like hitting the, for me, it was like hitting the lottery. because he told me he would bring me to Atlanta. He would pay for feeding me, taking care of me, and he would pay my bills. And, uh, that's what we all want, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to have our bills paid and, uh, live good and eat good and, and sleep good. Um, I went from sleeping on a couch to, uh, sleeping in a really nice bed. Um, I went from eating bologna sandwiches and crap that you wouldn't put in your mouth, to eating the very best. And I went from working out from not ever working out to working out. And, um, I came to Atlanta and of course I had a hell of a monkey on my back. Um, coming to Atlanta, I figured it'd last about two or three weeks before he'd kick me out.
1: That's what I wanted to get to is you had been, you know, in such a dark place for so long, you had to be, uh, skeptical, right? Like, sure. Oh, I I,
2: I knew it wasn't going to work. Right. I knew it wasn't going to work and it wasn't perfect. Right. When I say it wasn't perfect, what I'm saying is that the, I would get away from him and I would go out and drink. I would cook up some plan and I mean, brother, an addict can think of some good shit. Yeah, we, you know, it's, this is like, you know, writing the Godfather and putting it out there, you know, and, uh, you con people, you lie to people and it got to the point that Dallas was okay. He just had to take away those opportunities for me to be alone because he realized that if I was alone that I would find it. And that was what it was. So I was t- my privileges were taken away. I was, uh, wasn't allowed to go anywhere by myself. And, uh, thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Garrett, uh, for being those guys that went with me and, uh, my God, they went through hell putting up with me because I'd try to con them too, but It was just a a thing of who are they more scared of, me or Dallas? Right. And they were more scared of Dallas, thank God, because, uh, you know, I tried to play games on them, and, uh, you know, every now and then I'd sneak sneak away from one of them in the airport and get a couple of shots, you know, but uh, that wasn't going to be long-lived because I would tell on myself or it would be found out anyway. Because not only did I have them to worry about, I had every stinking DDP fan in the country yeah. watching me. And, um, it was, uh, it was tough, man. <laughs> he put a pretty good, pretty good fence up for me. And the thing about Dallas was I was expecting him to give up on me because I'd never had anybody stand by me besides my wife. And eventually she gave up
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, he stood by me, uh, when I would mess up, he would add something into the mix that took away that opportunity. Next time if this comes up, they will be, this will be blocking you. It's like a chess game, you know? And, uh, he kept coming up with things to block me and he kept adding things for me to do, but whether it be 90 meetings in 90 days or I had to write stuff up on a chalkboard, things to get my mind going to a positive place. Because when you're an addict, you don't have positive places. So you had to let all that shit get out of there and then replace it with good things, like different clothes, uh, eating different food, eating better stuff to get things into you. Going to doctor's appointments, you've needed a long time. In fact, there was a shoulder surgery that I had to have. And the fans, he did a GoFundMe and the fans took care of it, which that was a big turning point for me because I realized that people did care about me. And
1: it changed the way the story was being told in your head yeah, because you had told yeah. yourself the same story for so long. Yeah,
2: you're a loser, you're a piece of shit. Right. Well, all these people can't be wrong, Jake. That's right. They still love me. And to feel that love from the fans, from Dallas, from the people working around Dallas, even Steve, you, (laughs) it blew me away. And I started being able to stand up and then Dallas started getting me bookings. And I was able to start paying him back. And I started thinking, my God, I might have something left. Yeah. And, uh, next thing I know, I'm trying to get ready for WrestleMania. I want to try to do the, you know, the battle Royal and which was a silly dream because, uh, I'm so glad it didn't happen because I would have embarrassed myself, the Royal rumble. I would have embarrassed myself. My body's, my body's done. You know, I, I'm fixing to have my third hip put in and, uh, now they're fixing, they're about to put a wire up my spine that will shock and help my blood flow to my feet because my feet are going numb and we don't want that because your feet go numb. You lose your balance and, uh, that's not what we need, so. I I'm, I'm trying to hold it together these days. And uh
1: Oh, you're doing more than that now. And uh, you know, we've talked yeah, about how you got your your life back in terms of
2: Yeah, I have gotten my life back. Uh, kids love me. My grandchildren think I'm a god, and they're right. <laughs> they're the only ones that are right, you know. My grandkids and uh the joy that I see in them, man, it, it, it keeps me wanting to be even better. And I'm trying to help a lot of other addicts and alcoholics. The joy I get from that is just incredible. And here's what I want to say in closing: if you're to get better, there's some things you have to do. Number one, get rid of all your damned friends. Your druggy friends. Yeah. Quit going to the places that you go because mm-hmm. that's where you do your drugs. Get away from all of these people, man. Find you a sponsor. Start going to hey. You may have to quit your job, get a different job to find hope. You've got to do something that makes you feel good. I suggest doing DDPY yoga because it's something everybody can do. I know when I first started doing it, my body was in such bad shape. There's nothing worse than having to walk through a Walmart at 4 o'clock in the morning because you're embarrassed and you don't want people to see you because you look so bad because you're all hunked over and you can't straighten up. You're walking like this. You don't want to do that. God damn, you're Jake the Snake Roberts, man. So, by doing DDPY Yoga, I learned that if I could do something earlier in the morning that would release those endorphins that make me feel good, that make me feel positive, that give me hope, then I got a chance of making it. And, uh, I encourage everybody out there, man. That's using. You can do it if you want to, but it takes work, hard work. And uh, I'm here for you. And uh, you can contact me, and uh, we'll talk. But don't expect me to be a to pat you on the back, good old boy, because that shit ain't working with me.
1: I want to mention too, you know, I, I appreciate your candidness and openness and transparency and sharing your story. Cause I know it could not be fun or easy, but no, boy, it's it was. so valuable too. When you think about what really changed all of this. And just to recap, you had given up on yourself and you felt like the wrestling business and certain promoters had given up on you and maybe your family or even your wife had given up on you. And it took the power yeah. of one person believing in you. And that wow. one person was, was diamond Dallas page. And even yeah. then you were skeptical of it, but eventually oh, he be- believed it. He believed in you enough that you started to believe in yourself. And now look at you now, man, you yeah. got your house back, got your wife back, got your wrestling contract back. You got your life back. And That's that crazy. That felt like it was not possible, but it all changed with the belief of one person, one, one person. person believed in you. And then eventually you believed in yourself and this is, is such a success story. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's a lot of folks listening to this, who maybe they're going through a dark place in their life, but it yeah. was the positivity of one person. And so I want not just an addict, maybe listening to this or somebody who's struggling, but maybe, you know, someone who is, and Jake's yeah. testimony is one person believed in him and his life has forever changed. So why not yeah, be that person for somebody? Go. That's exactly right. Absolutely.
2: You know, the world would be a lot better place, Conrad, if we would all start helping each other. Yes. You know, no matter what color you are, what size you are, how pretty you are, or how much money you have, we all need help. Yes. And so we all need a little love. Thank you, Conrad, for today. It was hard for me, and uh, I just know that i got a lot of better days ahead of me. So many. God bless you.
1: Thank you guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in today.